Good morning, and welcome to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. Today is a very cold Saturday, uh, December 24th, uh, 2022, here in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I got to the station this morning, and I was a little concerned that uh, my glasses weren't going to defog before we had to come on the air here. Uh, it was pretty cold, as it is not only here in, in Chicago, but uh, across this whole country, and I hope you're staying nice and warm this morning. Uh, this is the Christian Faith Radio Hour. My name is David Canfield. I'll be your host for this hour. You can visit us online at our website, thechristianfaith.org. And if, if you have comments or questions about the program or about the Christian life in general, we would love to hear from you. You can send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. And uh, let's, maybe before we begin, let's, uh, let's have just a little prayer. For the Lord's help uh, in this time. Lord, again, we just bow before your throne. We just trust you. We just believe you for your speaking, for your word to go forth again uh, in this city, uh, throughout this whole country, Lord. Turn so many to yourself, even in this dark time, Lord, for your sake and your glory. Lord, shatter the enemy. Uh, build your kingdom in this city and in, uh, in this whole country. Have your way, Lord, for your sake and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we get to uh, the main part of the program today, I, I just want to uh, mention a couple things. And, and first, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, on the program, this coming weekend, I'll be attending a, a Bible conference in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, and uh, they have uh, these conferences uh, usually uh, every year uh, at the end of the year and there's a, a few other gatherings as well during the year but I always find these times very encouraging and refreshing when I'm able to go and so I hope uh, if you're able to go next weekend you might be able to join us and you can find information about that gathering uh, on on the website thechristianfaith.org uh, it's on the slider at the top of the home page um, in brief, the conference begins Friday night, and it goes through Saturday and then Lord's Day morning. And again, it's in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, we would love to have you join us if, uh, if you're able to. Uh, so that's the first thing. And then uh, the second thing is I just want to remind the listeners, you know, we, of course, as we all know, we're beginning a new year. And I'm always very... Uh, uh, I always very much want to encourage people to develop the habit of reading through the Bible every year, at least every couple of years. You know, if you feel that once a year is too much, at least every couple of years. It's so important to have that habit of reading through the Bible. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about that before on previous programs, and maybe we'll link to uh, some of those programs when we uh, uh, list this podcast uh, uh, the importance of reading through the Bible, how to come to the Bible, different ways of coming to the Bible. Uh, one brother we've had on before has said that even just to have a resolution, just to read one verse a day is, is a good way to start. If you feel reading uh, a whole chapter is too much, you just say, today I'm going to open the Bible and I'm going to read one verse and at least give the Lord a way to speak to me. And, and of course, quite often when you do that, you'll find that you're reading more than that. And that's a very good way to begin uh, to come to the Word in a consistent way. Um, but to have that habit of reading through the Bible uh, every year is so crucial. Uh, and right now, uh, I'm, I'm in the book of Jeremiah, um, but I've already finished up the New Testament, and so I won't 
don't think I'll quite finish by the end of the year, but uh, maybe, uh, hopefully, uh, early in January, I'll finish another reading of the Bible. And I always find that so helpful to have that habit. Now, we have a website uh, to help you with that. It's called 90readings.org. Because what it, what it does, we have a card there. It breaks down uh, the Bible into 90 readings. And so you can use that. It's not really a Bible reading schedule. It's uh, more of a chart that just to help you set your own schedule for reading through the Bible. And it breaks it down into 90 readings. And uh, it's a pretty unique card. So um, you can take a look at that. You might find that helpful. And if you want, you can read through the Bible in 90 days if you do one reading a day. But that's quite a lot. Um, if you do one reading a week, that, that will get you through the Bible, of course, in uh, a little bit less than two years. Uh, so you can, as we say, you can use that to set your own schedule. Uh, but there's another way of reading through the Bible that's very simple, and that's just uh, the, called the three-in-one method. And that's if you read three chapters in the Old Testament and one chapter in the New Testament every day, you get through the Bible in less than a year. That'll get you through the Bible in about uh, 300 days. So that's another very, very popular method. You know, it takes about, if you get an audio Bible, it they uh, take usually about 70, 75 hours or so to read the whole Bible. So if you uh, are reading the Bible at a faster pace than that, you know, say you might take about 50 hours to go through the whole Bible. And that's a chunk of time. But if you do it on a daily basis, it's something that's doable to get done in one year. And uh, you just have to develop that habit and uh, that intention of saying, this year I'm going to get through the whole Bible in one year, or at least start to read through the whole Bible and get through it in two years. And so, again, just want to encourage you that way to consider that uh, as we begin this, uh, get ready to begin this new year. It would be a very good resolution for the new year to try to keep and to, to say, I'm going to be in the Word every day uh, this year for the coming year, praise the Lord. Because as believers, it's so important for us to be in the Word, to have that daily contact with the Word of God, to make it our food. You know, John seventeen seventeen is a verse I keep coming back to. Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. That was the Lord's prayer to the Father. He's saying for us to be sanctified, we have to be in the truth. It's so crucial for us to be in the truth day by day, especially when the world is just flooding us uh, with all kinds of evil things and just things to occupy us day by day. Uh, we can't really follow the Lord today if we're not in the Word in a consistent way. That's how we can be sanctified from such things. And so uh, that's one big reason why you know I'm, I'm always so... Uh, uh, burden to encourage believers to develop this habit because we're just not in the Bible today like we need to be. That's a big reason why uh, the church as a whole is so uh, weak. Uh, it's just it's just how many Christians are really in the Word today as we should be in a consistent way. Not many, not many. And so I, I hope we can, this coming year, we can really develop more of a habit of being in this Word and allowing the Lord to speak to us and uh, touch us through His Word. Praise the Lord for that. So these past few weeks, <clears throat> we've been getting into the matter of the kingdom of the heavens uh, because this is such a crucial topic in the New Testament and it's a topic so few Christians have an adequate grasp of. And uh, I myself have been very much helped uh, to get into this matter as I've gotten into it. I think I have a, a better grasp on what the kingdom is and, and what it means to live for the kingdom of, of God. And so we're going to start today just uh, to say a few more things about that. 
Uh, and then, then we want to go on to very much a, a related topic in, in the latter part of the program. Uh, you know, the kingdom of God today, as we've been stressing, is the kingdom of the heavens. And, and the, the kingdom of God is the general ruling of God uh, from eternity past to eternity future. But today, the kingdom of God is the kingdom of the heavens. That's what the phase of the kingdom of God that we're in today because today is when the heavens are ruling over the earth. And that's how we define the kingdom of the heavens. It's when the heavens are ruling over the earth. Now, some people have a mistaken concept and even some Bible teachers have wrongly teach that the kingdom of God is the same thing as the kingdom of the heavens. And it's it's not. The, the kingdom of the heavens is a section within the kingdom of God. So, in a sense, you can say it's the same thing, but you have to understand it's a part of the kingdom of God. It's not, uh, those two terms are not fully interchangeable. The kingdom of God, heaven, the kingdom of the heavens is within the kingdom of God. And that's the section that we're in today because God wants to establish his heavenly ruling on the earth. That's the significance of the kingdom of the heavens. That's the significance of that phrase in the Gospel of Matthew, which is where it's used and where it's found in the New Testament. Well, this, this kingdom, this kingdom of the heavens, has its gospel. And that's the gospel that we preach today. Really, when we're preaching the gospel today, what we're preaching is the gospel of the kingdom of the heavens. Today, that gospel is a matter of persuasion because the kingdom of the heavens today is not openly manifest. Today, it's with us in a hidden, mysterious way. Because some people, some of the believers on the earth today are living in the kingdom of the heavens. And so in a hidden way, in a mysterious way, that should be the aspiration of every believer in Christ is to live under the authority of the heavens. Uh, the Lord is our heavenly ruler. So they were under his authority on the earth today. And then the Lord has, in a hidden way, a mysterious way today, he has the kingdom of the heavens. And today, when we seek to bring others into the kingdom through the gospel, it's a matter of persuasion. But when the Lord comes back at the end of this age to establish his kingdom in an open, manifest way, at that time, it's not going to be a matter of persuasion anymore. Then it's going to be a matter of power. At that time, the Lord is going to sit on his throne. And he's going to put the, uh, uh, the nations before him, the sheep and the goats, and he's going to uh, cast all of the... Uh, uh, those who've rejected his heavenly rule, he's going to cast them into the lake of fire. All of the unbelievers he's going to cast into the lake of fire, uh, specifically the ones who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, because he's going to root out of his kingdom everyone who practices lawlessness. That's what, he's going to, that's what it says in Matthew 13. And then he's going to bring his kingdom to the earth for the 1,000 year reign, for his 1,000 year reign on the earth. And that's not going to be, as I say, a matter of persuasion. That's going to be a matter of power. But today it is a matter of persuasion. Today when we preach the gospel, we have to be very clear. We're calling people into the kingdom of the heavens. Now the New Testament uh, preaching of the gospel begins, repent for the kingdom of the heavens. That's the gospel we're preaching today. Our calling, our commission is to establish God's kingdom on the earth. Uh, we should never think as the believers in Christ that the purpose of the gospel is to get people to go to heaven. That is not the purpose of the gospel. Uh, there simply is no such thing in the New Testament. But so often today, when the gospel is preached, uh, 
and the, the concern is, uh, are you going to go to heaven? And of course, there's a, the, the question a lot of people ask, if you die today, would you go to heaven? And I'll, I'll say it again, the, the concern for the gospel in the New Testament is not primarily whether or not people are dying without Christ. The concern is whether or not people are living without Christ. Because we, God wants people who are living in his heavenly kingdom today. Yes, it's a very, very serious matter to die without Christ. There's no question about that. That's so serious. Uh, uh, to die in your sins, uh, then you, you have to spend eternity in the lake of fire. And we said this before. You know, God uh, has to punish sins. And he did punish our sins by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Right? That's how God deals with our sins. He can't overlook our sins. He's a just and holy and righteous God. So he has to punish our sins. And he did do that uh, when he laid our sins in Jesus Christ on the cross. That's how God forgives our sins. So if we reject Jesus Christ as our Savior, God does not have another way to forgive our sins. Then he says, uh, we, those who reject him in that, uh, and reject his redemptive work have to spend eternity in the lake of fire. Very, very serious matter. Now, there's a whole other question. What, if, what about those people who never had the opportunity to hear the gospel? That's a different matter. But for sure, if we reject, if we reject Christ as our Savior, then we have to spend eternity in the lake of fire. So I don't mean to make light of that. That's a very, very serious matter. But when you see the gospel preached in the New Testament, it's not uh, primarily to save people from that fate. Is that included? It absolutely is. It's important, right? But mainly the gospel is preached to bring people into the kingdom of the heavens. Repent for the kingdom of the heavens. Now, understandably, we have a real concern about uh, our loved ones and friends and, and, and people in general uh, uh, not being saved and not having their sins forgiven, for sure. Uh, and, and so, so much of the, the gospel preaching today is preached from man's perspective to prevent people from uh, having to suffer that fate. Well, it's not bad to have that concern. We surely should have that concern. But even so, we should have a strong realization we are not simply uh, preaching the gospel to save people from the lake of fire. We're saving them into God's heavenly kingdom. And I, I would ask you, if you're a person who if you're hearing this and you, you doubt that that's true, then I would ask you, is, can you find a verse in the entire New Testament that stresses that we preach the gospel so that when people believe in Jesus, they're guaranteed to go to heaven? Is there such a verse in the entire New Testament? You won't be able to find one because that's not the New Testament thought. That's really man's thought uh, about the gospel and what the purpose of the gospel is. And again, I, it's, it's, I don't want to be misunderstood, we should have a real concern about people's eternal destiny. That's for sure. Uh, and, and that's a, that warning to people. And, and, and frankly, these days, I don't think we stress that enough uh, of the fate of those who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, that uh, what awaits them is eternal damnation. That's not a word people like to hear today. That's a very, very serious warning. We need to be sounding out to the lost and, 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 and tell them, don't don't believe the lies about Jesus. Don't believe the lies about the Bible. Jesus Christ is the Savior. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. The Word of God shows us the way of salvation. Believe in the Bible. Believe in Jesus Christ and be saved and have your sins forgiven so you don't have to go 
uh, into the lake of fire. That's a terrible, terrible fate we don't wish upon anybody. By the Lord's mercy, we've been saved from that fate. And the moment you can believe, you believe in Jesus Christ, you can have the assurance you're never going to have to suffer that fate. Praise the Lord for that because his redemptive work is absolute and complete and it is finished, right? He saves us from, from that fate eternally. So for sure, we should have a real concern about that. But the focus, the purpose uh, of our preaching the gospel and of warning people this way is to encourage them to enter into the kingdom of the heavens, the kingdom of God, today, now, on the earth. We're not waiting uh, to go to heaven in the future. We're coming into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the heavens today. That should be a real burden for preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord. Uh, I just feel more and more, I just feel this... Uh, teaching about going to heaven is just something so satanic. It, there's just nothing in the New Testament about that. And it just blinds Christians to what God's purpose really is, what he's really after, which is to establish his kingdom uh, on the earth today. And, and the more I consider that teaching, and to be honest, the more evil it becomes. You know, And, and I know some people who, who preach this are dear brothers and sisters in Christ. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, the Lord... Uh, honors, whenever the gospel goes forth, the Lord honors his word, regardless of our motive, even if our understanding's not uh, not perfect, for sure. You know, it's, it's, it's just very, very good that the gospel is going forth. Praise the Lord for that. But we should seek to enter into a fuller understanding of what the gospel is for and the purpose of the gospel and why the gospel needs to go forth today. Uh, and again, as John the Baptist began the preaching in the New Testament and Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of the heavens. So along these lines, this morning, uh, we sent out an email, uh, and I just wanted to uh, maybe just review that a little bit because it, it, it's very much on the same topic. Uh, and if you'd like to subscribe to receive these emails, I usually send out a couple of them a week. Um, you can just go to the website, thechristianfaith.org, uh, and click on the subscribe button and enter your email address there. Again, that's thechristianfaith.org, thechristianfaith.org. And just click on the subscribe button there, and uh, and we'll be uh, happy to add you to our list. And usually, you'll usually send out two or three emails a week. So, so this morning, the the email, uh, the title of the me email was "Recovering the Earth Through the Gospel." And I was touched about this uh, because uh, I, I I was reading uh, a little booklet, uh, and it's by Witness Lee. It's uh, called uh, "The Kingdom in the Church." Very, very helpful little booklet to understand these matters. You know, in uh, Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, you have this praise to the Lord Jesus at the beginning uh, of the book of Revelation. It says, To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, in that, those, uh, those verses, that's Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, in those verses, you really have a very concise statement of what the complete New Testament gospel is. You know, first of all, Jesus loves us. The source of the gospel is Jesus' love for us and God's love for us, for God so loved the world, right? That's the source of the gospel. Well, God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave his only son, Right? That's, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So that's really when it says Jesus loves us, it's talking about the fact that God loved us 
and that Jesus died on the cross for our sins so we could be forgiven. And that's what the next part of these verses says. He loves us and he washed us from our sins. Praise the Lord for that. So those are the first two things, first two aspects of the gospel that we see in these verses. And it's not just that we're forgiven for our sins, but we're washed or you could say released from our sins. And that implies the resurrection power of Christ working within us. Because it's not just that we're forgiven, but it's that we're even more, we're even released from the power of sin. And that takes resurrection power for us to be freed from, uh, from our sins uh, and, and the dominion that sin has over us when we're in our fallen state. Praise the Lord for that. And to be clear, it's not, we're not saying, uh, we don't teach that we're going to be sinless. It's not saying that. But the power of sins, when we're really living in the Christian, uh, by the power of the life of Christ, the power of sin is over us is broken. Praise the Lord for that. So those are the first two points in these verses. And these, these two points speak of what Christ has already done for us. But then in these verses, and again, it's Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, they go on and they say, He's made us a kingdom and priests to his God and Father. That's the result of the gospel. The first two points are what Jesus has done for us, according to the gospel. The last two points show us what he is doing, what he is making us today. He's made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. That should be the result of the gospel. Praise the Lord that we have made a kingdom and also priest to our God and Father. Well, why is this statement at the beginning of the book of Revelation? Why does it give us a concise presentation of what the gospel really is? And I, I appreciate the statement that Witness Lee makes uh, uh, he has, uh, in uh, his recovery version of the New Testament, he has a footnote on Revelation 1.6, and he makes this very, very good statement. Uh, he says, one of the main aspects of the book of Revelation is that God is recovering his right over the earth in order to make the whole earth his kingdom. I'll read that again. One of the main aspects of the book of Revelation is that God is recovering his right over the earth in order to make the whole earth his kingdom. So what does the book of Revelation show us? It shows us God is bringing his kingdom back to the earth to recover his right to the earth. And so you see a lot of God's administrative work over the earth to bring in his kingdom to the earth. Praise the Lord for that. But today, the way that work is carried out is through the gospel through the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, and that's why, again, as we said before, the, the, the New Testament begins with that proclamation, repent for the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near because God is recovering his right to the earth today through the gospel. Then in the future, at the end of this age, he's going to recover his right through his administrative work over the earth. And that's where you see uh, the seven seals, the seven bowls, uh, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls, all the things that take place in the book of Revelation. Again, as I say, at that time, it's not just a matter of persuasion like it is today. At that time, it's going to be a matter of power. Praise the Lord. So today, if you're hearing this and you're not yet in the kingdom of God, now is the time to open your heart and tell the Lord, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. I want to be a person living under uh, the heavenly authority. Praise the Lord. Um, you know, Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom has to be preached in all the earth and then the end shall come. 
So the focus of the gospel preaching in the New Testament is to bring in God's kingdom to the earth. And we should be very clear about that as the believers of Christ. Uh, and uh, then we, we are preparing the way for the Lord to come back. You know, in in uh, Revelation 11, 15, uh, chapter 11, verse 15, it says, uh, finally, when all the... Uh, when everything's done, it says, The seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Praise the Lord. That's when God's right is fully established on the earth once again. Praise the Lord for that. And we look forward to that day so much. Praise the Lord. So, um, that that's going to do it for this segment of the program in the next segment, we want to go on and really consider the matter of what is the kingdom of God for? We've talked so much about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom really for? We need to be clear about that point as well. And we will begin to do that on the other side of the break. This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by his mercy, may use the ChristianFaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge both of our Savior and of our faith in him, so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for his purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the christianfaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord and to all of God's children for his sake and his glory. Amen. Hello and welcome back to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. So as I mentioned at the last uh, uh, and just as we finished that previous segment, um, now we need to consider what is the purpose of the kingdom of God? Why does God want to have his kingdom? Why does that matter so much to him? And why do we preach the, the, the gospel of the kingdom today? Um, you know, as I've gotten into this topic, uh, I've really been impressed with something. Uh, you know, in a sense, so to speak, the kingdom of God, it's something negative. Uh, it, it's not, I mean, it's not, of course, it's not what we would consider actually negative, but it's, it's negative in its purpose in, in one sense because it's dealing with the opposition to God's ruling. It's dealing, of course, with all the power of the enemy, with the satanic rebellion that is taking place in the universe and on the earth against God's rule. God's kingdom uh, is established to destroy Satan's kingdom, to destroy the kingdom of the world. Uh, and so in that sense, uh, it's dealing with something very negative. And we should be clear about that. Uh, that, that it's, and it, and 
to some extent at least we can say the kingdom of of God is negative in its function. At least the kingdom of the heavens is negative in its function because it's dealing with that, that negative situation in the universe and on the earth. But what's the positive? What's the positive thing that God wants them? Because surely he's, he wants to, to do something. He wants to produce something that's very, very positive. And the answer to, to that question is very simple. God wants to have a building to express him as his dwelling place for eternity. And uh, in the Old Testament, that building is called the temple. In the New Testament, uh, it's the church. In, in, in eternity, it will be the new Jerusalem. Praise the Lord for that. That's the positive thing God is really after. Why is God uh, destroying the kingdom of Satan? Why is he establishing his kingdom on the earth today? Is so that he can have his building. That's what he's really after. He wants all the believers in Christ to apply this to us today, to be built up in the body of Christ so he can have his dwelling place in eternity, which will be the new Jerusalem. That's the positive thing that God is really after today. So in a sense, we can say the kingdom of the heavens is somewhat negative, but it's for producing something that's so, so positive and so wonderful, and that's the church uh, God's building the new Jerusalem as God's eternal dwelling place. Praise the Lord for that. And so we want to spend some time uh, in this segment really considering this matter, this positive aspect of the building, because, again, this is something so few Christians really have uh, a concept of. Uh, and I just urge you, please, uh, if you have this thought that, that the goal of the Christian life is for us to go to heaven, let's set that aside for a little while and just consider what the Bible shows us about God's purpose. What is God's real purpose? Uh, and again, it, well, what we're going to see is he wants to have this building, which comes down at the end of the Bible from the heavens to the earth. Because at that time, the situation on the earth is fully wonderful. It's not today. That couldn't happen today, except in a hidden, mysterious way. But at the end of the Bible, you don't see sinners going to heaven, forgiven sinners going to heaven. You see the holy city, which is a constitution of all the transformed and glorified believers in Christ coming down from heaven to the earth. That's what God is really after. Praise the Lord. And we should be so clear about that as the believers in Christ. And then we'll have more of an idea of the proper way for me to live my life today in the light of that holy city. Praise the Lord. You know, as, as I've been getting into this matter of the kingdom of God, and uh, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, I've been so struck at how uh, the kingdom is always related to God's building, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. You know, in, in the Old Testament, you know, we've stressed uh, God made a promise to, da to King David in uh, 2, Cham 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, verses uh, 12 through 16, uh, that his throne was going to be established forever. Well, why did he make that promise to him? It's because at the beginning of 2 Samuel, Samuel excuse me, chapter 7, uh, David is sitting in his house. It says, Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, 
Go and tell David, my, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? So that's Second uh, Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. And then in chapter, in verse 12, rather, he says, uh, it's after, after you, your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. So it's David's son who is going to build a house for God's name. It says uh, in verse 16, he says, your house and your kingdom will be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Uh, and that's going to be fulfilled. That promise will be fulfilled through the son of David. In the Old Testament, of course, there was a direct fulfillment in Solomon. And uh, ultimately, of course, it's fulfilled in Christ. But this um, uh, promise that God was going to give David the kingdom, God made that promise because David had a heart to build God's house. And God had to tell him, you're not the one to build my house. Your son's going to do that, but your kingdom is going to be secured. So what, what God is saying is, you're the one to bring in the kingdom. Your son is going to build the house. So here in almost uh, the earliest mention of this in the whole Bible, we can see this principle. The kingdom builds in the house, brings in rather the house of God. The kingdom brings in the house of God, and that's the purpose of the kingdom. You consider the whole, the Old Testament in general, just the whole uh, history of the nation of Israel. Of course, God called them out of Egypt, out of slavery. And in the New Testament, we're told specifically, this is a, uh, a picture. The history of the children of Israel is a picture of our history as Christians. So God called them out of slavery in the land of Egypt, just like he's called us out of slavery, out of bondage, uh, living for the world system, right? He's called us out. So then they went through the wilderness. Then he brought them into the good land. They had to uh, destroy all the uh, the tribes, uh, the the seven tribes in the land of Canaan. Uh, they went through many ups and downs, a lot of failures, high points and low points. Eventually, though, God uh, brought in David and he set up David as king. He fully subdued all the enemies in the good land. And then you had the building up of the temple under Solomon. In a nutshell, that's that's the history of Israel in the Old Testament. God brought them into the good land. He subdued the enemies and he built up the temple. That's really a picture of what God wants to do in the New Testament age. Praise the Lord for that. So when you come to the New Testament, you see this same principle. In Revelation, sorry, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, the Lord asks his disciples, he says, who do men say that I am? They say, well, some say John the Baptist or Elijah. And he says, who do you say that I am? And then Peter tells him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so based on that, uh, what uh, uh, that revelation, Jesus says to him, the father revealed this to you, Peter. He says, you didn't see, figure this out yourself. This wasn't flesh and blood that revealed it to you. It was my father who is in the heavens who showed this to you. And then Jesus goes on. He says, I have something else I want to show you. My father has shown you something. He's revealed something to you. Now I say something further to you, Peter. This is in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, then he goes on, and I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of the heavens. 
So he's saying here, how is he going to build his church? He's going to build his church by giving Peter these keys to the kingdom of the heavens. And that relates to the gospel preaching in the book of Acts. That's going to open the door to the kingdom of the heavens. And because of that, there's going to be a way to build up the church. So here again, you see the kingdom of the heavens makes a way for the building up of the church, God's house, God's dwelling place. The same principle. And of course, ultimately in the Bible, uh, the ultimate uh, uh, example of this principle in the Bible is uh, has to do with uh, the dispensations. The uh, you have, um, you know, of course, we've talked about the, the several different dispensations in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Then you have uh, the last dispensation is the dispensation of the kingdom. That's the millennium, when Jesus Christ is going to reign on the earth, uh, and we'll be reigning with him. Uh, both in the heavens and on the earth. Praise the Lord. And then he's going to be in the process of establishing his kingdom fully on the earth. He's going to root out all the corruption, all who practice lawlessness, and he will be reigning as king on the earth. It's not yet a time of perfection uh, because at the end of the millennium, you have one last rebellion by Satan. Many of those uh, who've been ruled over for a thousand years as the nations will join Satan in that rebellion one final time, fire comes down out of heaven uh, and destroys uh, that rebellion. Satan's cast into the lake of fire for eternity, praise the Lord. And, uh, and uh, there's the judgment at the great white throne after that. So the millennium is not yet a time of perfection. It's still a time for God to deal with the negative things that are on the earth. It's a much more blessed time than today, for sure, because Christ will be uh, the king at that time. Um, it will be an age of righteousness. Uh, there, there won't be any unrighteousness allowed to run rampant on the earth at that time like there is today. It'll be a very, very different situation. Um, today, you know, the, the, the ruler of this age, of this world today, is Satan, who, the one who's, who's ruling it directly. He's the god of this, uh, the god of this age in Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, verse four. Uh, but at that time, Christ is going to be king, and it'll be a much, much uh, uh, better situation, but it's not yet a time of perfection. But at the end of the millennium, Satan is cast into the lake of fire, uh, and the final judgment takes takes place, and then uh, the old heavens and the current heavens and the current earth pass away, and then you have the new heavens and the new earth that are brought in. And all of this you can see in Revelation uh, uh, chapter 20, verses, well, chapters 20, 21, 22. Then you have at the beginning of Revelation chapter 21, uh, you have uh, a new heaven and a new earth. And it says, and I saw, uh, this is Revelation chapter 21, uh, verses 1 and 2. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And also in verse 10, he carried me away, away in spirit unto a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. So there you see the same principle. In the thousand years, that's the time of the kingdom. Uh, at, at the end of that kingdom, when Christ has dealt with all the negative situations on the earth, then you have God's building, the new Jerusalem coming down to the earth. So that's the ultimate manifestation of this principle, that the kingdom is for God's building. The kingdom brings in uh, a situation where you can have 
the building up uh, uh, of God's dwelling place on the earth. Praise the Lord for that. And so that's uh, uh, crucial that we understand the relationship between these two things. In a sense, as I say, not not entirely, but in a sense, the kingdom of the of heavens is something negative. It's for dealing with a negative situation. The positive thing that God wants to bring forth is his building. And that's what the kingdom of God is for, is to bring forth the kingdom. And ultimately, it will bring forth in the new heaven and new earth, the new Jerusalem. Praise the Lord for that. So very, very important for us to see the relationship between the kingdom and God's dwelling place, God's building. Praise the Lord. So we'll uh, talk more about this on the other side of the break. This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org, to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by his mercy, may use the ChristianFaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge both of our Savior and of our faith in him, so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for his purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website, or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the christianfaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord and to all of God's children, for his sake and his glory. Amen. Hello, and welcome back to the final segment uh, this week of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. And again, if you have uh, comments or questions about what you're hearing on the program, because I, I know this may be new to uh, a number of believers, uh, we'd love to hear from you to um, uh, hear your comments and questions. So you can send us an email at notes at thechristianfaith.org. That's notes at thechristianfaith.org. And you can visit us online and sign up for our e-letter on our website, which is just thechristianfaith.org. Dot org. We would uh, we'd love to have you uh, join our list. So I want to say more in this segment about God's building uh, and to help us have an appreciation really of what this building is. What is this building? And very simply, put it in a nutshell, the building is the place where God dwells. You know, very often people will, will call a church, they see a church building and they'll call that the house of God. Well, we say that maybe in kind of a, uh, a superficial way without really appreciating the significance of that statement. Now, the church, and not talking, now, not talking about a physical building, not talking about that, but a real church where you have the believers being built up together, that really is the house of God. That is the place where God dwells. And I'm going to get into those verses. We're going to get into those verses a little bit here in a minute. But that's what God wants. He's looking for a place to dwell. That's the significance of his building. He wants a place where he can be at rest and where mankind can be at rest in him. 
You know, of course, uh, we're recording this on uh, December 24th, 2022, uh, and tomorrow is the, the big Christmas holiday, and uh, for many people, they, they like to celebrate that. Uh, you know, I'm uh, not uh, uh, really into, into it, but uh, but some people celebrate it unto the Lord. Um, you know, so then there's what they call the Christmas story, which is, uh, in, of course, in Luke chapter 2, where... Uh, Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem and they can't find a place to stay. And so they have to stay in uh, the uh, stable, uh, which is just remarkable. That here, here you have uh, the mother and father of the heavenly king and they have to stay in the stable and that's where Jesus was born. And of course, then they lay him in the manger. And there was, because it, like the Bible says, there was no room for them in the inn. It was all crowded. Everybody was going back to their homes. And I think a lot of us, when we read that story, we, we feel within ourselves, well, if I'd been there, I would have given Jesus the best place. I would have made, I would have made a place for him in, in, in the best room in the inn. And we would have arranged things so he wouldn't have to stay in the stable. Well, you know, we may have that sentiment. You know, I, I certainly have had that sentiment, that thought. And, and you wish that you could do that, maybe. But in that, uh, in that story, the Bible is showing us something much more significant than whether or not Jesus had a place to stay uh, and his parents had a place to stay when he was born. Uh, it's showing us God is looking for uh, a place in our hearts. That's the real home that he's looking for. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 uh, uh, talks about Christ making his home in our heart. That's where God really wants to dwell. He wants to dwell in our hearts. And that's the significance of that story of Jesus not having, there being no room in the inn for Jesus and his parents. Uh, because it's showing us in, in our natural man, apart from salvation, we don't have any room in our heart for the Lord. We don't have any way to receive him as our Savior. But we need, to, by his grace and his mercy, to open our heart. And then he comes in and he lives inside of us. And you've probably heard that expression, Jesus lives in me, he lives in my heart. That's the home he's really looking for. That's the dwelling place he really wants. He wants to be dwelling and residing in the people that he created uh, to be his home, to be his dwelling place. And then he builds us up together corporately, ultimately, not just individually in each believer, but corporately to be his corporate dwelling place. And that's the real significance of the picture of the temple in the Old Testament. That's where God wants to dwell. He wants to dwell corporately among all his believers. And he will do that eventually when the new Jerusalem comes down from the heavens to the earth. Praise the Lord for that. So there's a number of verses in the New Testament that speak of God dwelling in our hearts. I just want to go through, uh, through a number of those verses to talk about God dwelling in us. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and the Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Do you realize that? Jesus wants to make his home with you. He wants to make his home in your heart. That's the home he's really after. Of course, that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work on his part. His death on the cross his resurrection, so he could have a way to come and live inside of us. It takes a lot of dealing on our part with the Lord because, uh, as we all know, our heart is not such a suitable place for the Lord. There's so many things in there that are contrary to the Lord. 
Well, through his kingdom, as we come under his authority, as we deal with the Lord, as we allow him to deal with us, he makes our heart, our home, our our inner being, a suitable place for him to dwell within us. Praise the Lord for that. He wants to make his home in our heart. Uh, Romans 8, chapter 10 uh, says, uh, Christ uh, lives in you. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Praise the Lord. Christ wants to live in us. Uh, Colossians 1.27 is a crucial verse in the New Testament. Uh, it talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is a huge thought all throughout the New Testament. Christ living within us. Praise the Lord. And actually, if you look at Colossians 1.27, if you really uh, go through that, we won't do that now. It really shows that's the central thought of the whole Bible is Christ living in us. Everything of God's purpose depends on Christ living in us as the believers. And of course, he comes into us. Just to be clear, he begins to live in us when we open our heart to him and we confess that we're sinners and we say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I repent. Forgive me. Come and live inside of me. Give me your divine life. That's what it means to be born anew is we open our heart to the Lord and we allow him to come and live inside of us. Then we begin to come Praise the Lord, his dwelling place. You know, in John uh, 17, 26, another verse in the Gospel of John, this is when Jesus is praying to the Father. He says, uh, I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That's the conclusion to his great high priestly prayer, as some people have called it. This is how he concludes it. He says, I've, I've prayed for them. He's prayed for the disciples. I have declared your name for them, to them, to the disciples. And I will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That's what he wants. He wants to come and dwell within us. You know, again, I would say, you look at these verses, there's nothing in these verses about us going to heaven. It's about Jesus coming to live inside of us. That's what he really wants. Praise the Lord. So there's this individual aspect of Christ dwelling within us. But there's also a corporate aspect. And you see that also in a number of different verses in the New Testament. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, uh, he says, uh, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now here he's speaking to the whole church in Corinth. Now, later on in Corinth, he's talking about, he says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit in chapter six. There it's talking to the individuals. But here in 316, he's talking to the whole church. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Well, that shows clearly that the uh, temple of God in the Old Testament is a type of the church today as the reality of God's dwelling place. That's what the temple of God, uh, what the church really is. Praise the Lord. Uh, in Ephesians chapter uh, 3, I thought I had that marked, but maybe I don't. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, rather, uh, verses uh, uh, 21 and 22, it says, In Christ, the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Again, you see this thought. The church today is the reality of the temple of God in the Old Testament, in whom the whole building 
being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in spirit. So the first verse there, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21, uh, speaks of all the building is a temple of God. That's speaking of the universal church. Every believer, all the believers together, were being built up to be the temple of God. But now, in the next verse, he's speaking specifically to the church in Ephesus. And, of course, this applies specifically to every local church. He goes on to say, In whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in spirit. So what is every genuine local church? It's a dwelling place of God. It's a place where God is dwelling together among the believers. That's where he's at home. That's where he has his real rest. Praise the Lord. Uh, is when the believers are built up together in spirit. Well, that takes believers coming under the authority of God. That can only happen where you have the kingdom of God manifest among the believers, where you have the throne of God manifest among the believers and the believers living under the authority of the heavenly king. Otherwise, we'll just it'll never, never work. If we're all, you know, every man, like the Old Testament says, every man doing what's right in his own eyes, you could never have there the building up of God, the building of God among the believers. So you have to have God's kingdom to deal with all the negative things. Then you can have uh, the positive building up of the church. Praise the Lord for that. And, of course, the ultimate manifestation uh, of the building is uh, at the very end of the Bible, and that's in Revelation uh, chapters 21 and 22. And uh, uh, there uh, in John, uh, it says, uh, 21 verse 1, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Praise the Lord. Verse 3 goes on. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Praise the Lord. So this is the consummation of all God's work throughout all of the ages, is this holy city, the dwelling place of God, coming down out of heaven from God to the earth. And it goes on and says the dwelling place of God is with men. This is what God is really after, is this building so he can have a dwelling place. You know, when it says he dwells in our hearts, that's the individual, as we've said. Ultimately, we as the believers need to be built up together to be this one unique corporate dwelling place of God. There's always these two aspects. There's, you don't lose the individual. There's always going to be the individual, the personal. But we also have the corporate that today... Uh, we're built up as the church in eternity will be built up together as the, God's dwelling place, the new Jerusalem, where God and man will dwell forever. Uh, you know, we sense we're also at rest. When, then God will be fully at rest in this dwelling place. And as uh, the human beings who have been redeemed and regenerated with his divine life and built up together to be his dwelling place, we will also be fully at rest in God uh, and just enjoying him uh, for eternity. Uh, you know, as I'm, as I'm say, saying these things, uh, a hymn comes to mind. Uh, uh, I was visiting some saints last week and we sang it. 
home, home in the church. Uh, it is here where I've ended my search. I, I wish I could quote the whole hymn. Uh, we will have it for the, uh, uh, in the podcast, in the notes. It says, God is at rest. And uh, in, in this uh, dwelling place, we're fully blessed. It's a very, very sweet hymn. But it talks about how both God and man are at rest because we have this mutual dwelling place, this eternal dwelling place, where God and man have been built up together for his eternal dwelling. Praise the Lord. That's God's goal. That's what God is really after in eternity. And that's what we experience today, should be experiencing today, as the believers in Christ being built up in the local churches as we come under the authority of the Lord, uh, our heavenly King. Praise the Lord for that and that we have such a uh, purpose for our life today and a, such a future, such a glorious future in eternity. Praise the Lord. We're so, so glad you could be with us uh, this week. And Lord willing, we will be back with you again next week for the Christian Faith Radio Hour. Praise the Lord. Bye-bye. been listening to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. You can visit us online at our website, thechristianfaith.org. And if you have comments or questions, send us an email at questions at thechristianfaith.org. And to listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify.